So when we when we're looking at First Timothy, right? When we're reading that the mystery of godliness, and that uh, we talked about how the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I mean, you you can be angry as much as you want as a believer, but if you do not know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, and you're using your old mindset uh, or the natural mindset to receive from by inheritance what you're supposed to get, you you are not going to get it. You see, that's a problem. You're not going to get it, right? It's not like God is going to be merciful and, oh, because you've been pushing hard against that door, I will open the door for you. He's not going to do it. And that's where, that's what we need to kind of come to a conclusion that, hey, I can do whatever I want in this new birth. I'm not going to get this, what I what God is going to give you by inheritance. He is just not going to do that because it is, it is just not available for you. It, it's only available through the mystery of godliness, through the righteousness of faith, through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not available outside of it. Now you'll say, but I am a son of the house. Yeah, but if you do not know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, and you're not receiving the benefits of the sonship, but you are, uh, you are, you are trying to receive it by serving God, right? Just like that older son said, you're, going, you're not going to receive it. So guess what happens? He was bitter. Now, who is he bitter against? Bitter against the father. God. The father. The father. You see, see. So that bitterness comes as a bitterness against God Himself. I mean, the God who birthed you. Now you're bitter against that same God. You see, because and that's why that's why that that parable that Jesus gave about the two sons is so accurate. I so always think like, how is this guy? How is the father saying that you are my son? You have been with me always. It just doesn't make any sense because it looks like something is not missing. No, but it, because it's true. Because he is not calling him father, not because he was not a son and not because the father did not consider him a son. In his, which part of his body, he does not recognize him as a son in his mind. You see, the challenge for him was in his mind he is not a son. He is a servant and he's trying to receive by inheritance. He, he's, he's trying to receive, and I want you to remember this word. He's trying to receive by performance what the father has given to him already by inheritance. Let me repeat it. He's trying to receive by performance what he has, the father had already given to him by inheritance. So there's a lot of disconnect in it. If he already had by inheritance, how is it that he did not receive it? See, there is a disconnect. That's because he's trying to receive it by performance, what he already has by inheritance. And that's the key. That's the key for all your salvation. And that's the key for all your victories. And that's your key for all your peace and life. Then the Bible talks about life and peace. He's not talking about life, eternal life, after you meet Jesus Christ in heaven, or peace with God after you go there. No, no, he's talking about life and peace here. So the way you receive life and peace here is by inheritance. You say, no, 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 no. I'm going to heaven by inheritance, but here I need to perform. I'm sorry, doesn't work that way. Your inheritance uh, gives your life 
in the future, but also your life now. Say life now. Life now. Life now is the key. So what the enemy tells you to say is, Sushil and Anusha, don't worry about the life eternally. That you receive by faith. But for your life now, you need to follow the natural man and the natural Adam. You have to receive it by how the natural, how you were naturally born. Make sense? So God says you will not receive it, number one. You're, then you're going to be angry because you're like, how is they receiving and I'm not receiving? Correct? And now you're going to be bitter with me because you think that I am partial. Because I value certain people's ministry, their works, their performance, their godliness more than yours. Right? Which is a lie. Correct? Let me ask you a question. Let's go back to read 1 Timothy again. Let's read it again. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We talked about the mystery of godliness. The six elements of the mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because it applies to you. But you you don't believe it. Because it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. I mean, it's just too good. But uh, Timothy, uh, Paul is writing Timothy, this is the mystery. This is your state. Okay, now let's, he goes to, remember the chapter and verses are not there in the original. So he's just continuing the letter. So first, cha- first Timothy chapter 4, he's just staying with the same thought. I'm telling you how to conduct yourself in the house of God. I'm telling you the mystery of godliness. And then he says, but the de- uh, uh, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons are going to come and going to distract you. Correct? Let let me ask you a question. Did you notice in this whole list of doctrines of demons, what is missing? What is the most obvious thing that is missing? If I say, hey, uh, Alkesh, this is a doctrine of demons, man. Like if, if, if you did not know the teaching, correct? What would be the first thing you would expect in a doctrine of demons? Idolatry or sexual immorality. Yeah. Like the, the first thing you would expect in a doctrine of demon would be sexual immorality. How is it that sexual immorality is not in this? Because you know why do, de, de, uh, spirits are deceiving is because they will not put sexual immorality in it. Why? Because they will, everybody will know that it's a doctrine of demons. Right. Correct? They are going to make it appear as if it is meant for godliness. Remember that word, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's the doctrine of demons. You see, so he will make you, he will not tell you that, hey, this is, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, uh, sex is, sexual immorality is okay or drunkenness is okay or something like that. He's not going to focus on those areas. He's going to focus on the areas that, almost appear as if this will help you become godly. But it's a doctrine of demons. You got it? So, so it, it, that's where you, we need to be careful. And that's where we have a form of godliness, but you do not have the power. Power means what? Power to be healed. Pa- power to be prosperous. Power to be fruitful. Power to be, uh, uh, to be multiplied. So you don't have all the power. Because you have godliness, but you do not have the power. Make sense? Okay, so let's keep reading. Look at verse 6. If, if, now Paul is writing to Timothy. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith, 
and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. He says, if you teach this, if you tell them this, what I'm telling you, you would be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That means you'd be a good minister. When, when, when we all show up before Jesus Christ one day, right? This is how he's going to judge you. He's going to judge you not to um, condemn you. He's going to judge you to give you a reward. He'll say, you know what, uh, Sushil, you're a, you're a good minister of my words of faith. Because why is it words of faith? Because it is contrary to what you would do. Because it needs faith. It you needs believing. It, so it's a good minister. So he says you're going to be a good minister. Well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> it is, this is the criteria. Are you preaching this? Are you teaching this? Okay, keep reading. But reject profane and old wise fables. And look at the word. Exercise yourself towards godliness. godliness. So how do you exercise yourself to godliness? In our mind. In Great. Correct. That means you keep meditating. Anusha, you just told it. So how do you exercise? Keep reading. Let's read it. For now verse, verse 8 is huge. For bodily exercises profits a little. So he says bodily exercise profits a little. But look at the look at this verse. This is so huge. It, you should underline it and highlight it. But godliness is profitable for how many things? All things. All things. Having the promise of life when? Now. Now. And which is to come. So you will have a life to come. When is that life to come going to be? Like the rapture, like when the rapture, after you go to heaven, actually heaven comes down to earth. That's a different story. We never go to heaven, heaven comes down, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, I don't know where this whole thing came. We go to heaven, you know. Heaven comes down. You come with and we... we. Okay, so heaven comes down, correct? Heaven comes down. So, so bottom line is the life to come. So in that life, Godliness is profitable. Yes or no? Yes. yes. But he says godliness is profitable for all things in the life now. How is it profitable? That means if you have this godliness, you can receive whatever you need for life right away. It's going to be profitable. Like you're waiting on a healing. You would receive the healing right away. If you're waiting on an increase, you would receive the increase right away. It's profitable. In fact, it is so powerful, this saying. Look at what he says in verse 9. Paul is saying, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. He's saying, this is a faithful saying. That means the saying is true. Yes. Who is writing this? Paul. Paul. Paul is saying, this saying is very true. And it's worthy of all acceptance. That means there is no exception to it. You can, you, can, you can use it everywhere. Go ahead and use it. Like there are some sayings you would not use everywhere. Correct? There are some sayings which are true but may not be true, true other times. But this saying, what saying? This saying is not only true but it is worthy of all acceptance. What saying? Godliness profits in all things. Yes! Godliness is profitable in all things. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, brother Anil, that godliness is profitable, you know, but I'm not godly. You see the problem? 
You got the problem? So how do you become godly? I just told you, godliness is not received by performance. It is by inheritance. So that is why it's a mystery. So once you know that you are godly by inheritance, correct? You can, it suddenly becomes very profitable in all things for the life now. Say life now. Life now. Life now. So if God says through the Holy Spirit, this godliness, this righteousness by faith, that's how you, that's how, as a very simple way, that's how you translate it. This righteousness by faith is profitable for your life now. You know, there are a lot of things we do in life and we don't do certain things because you realize that these are not profitable. Right? And we are very smart. Some things we'll keep trying a couple of times. It doesn't work. You just give up. Because we say, hey, it's not profitable. I spent a lot of time in it, but nothing happened. Correct? Interesting there is one thing that believers spend years together. They know it is not profitable, but they will never give up. <laughs> what is that one unprofitable thing they do? They try to be godly. Try to be holy. Try to be holy. Try to work it out. Try to perform. They know it doesn't work. Years go by. They have seen and they die. They have seen people die. They have not received their miracle, but they will not change their mind. Why? Why? Doesn't make any sense. But godliness, this mystery, this godliness is profitable to all things. Keep reading. For, verse 10, for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach. <laughs> so Paul is saying, because I am teaching this, everybody is against me. If I teach you that you should have 10 steps to becoming godly, nobody will find problems with me. But because I am telling you that even the Corinthian church that is in immorality, that they are godly in Christ Jesus, everybody is telling that I am preaching uh, sloppy agape. No, I am teaching uh, licentious living. I am teaching. So he, Paul is suffering reproach, not because he is telling them to live holy. Paul, Paul is suffering reproach because he's telling the church, you are godly already. Yes. You see, so, so if, so if you, you will receive persecution when you start preaching this, you will be mocked because you will be preaching this because it, because it's demonic strategy to not see who persecutes the believer, not God. Satan and his kingdom. And why would he persecute you if you're preaching performance? He's, he's, also going, he's just going to let you alone. Preach, brother, preach. As much of the law you want to preach. But the moment you preach the mystery of godliness, he's going to come after you because he doesn't want that word to go out. Correct? He doesn't want that thing. Okay, keep reading. For this, we both labor and suffer reproach because what? Because we are not trusting in our performance. We trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. See, he's talking to believers right now. So any area in your life, you're depending on a breakthrough. You say, I already believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about that. 
So he's not talking about believing in Jesus Christ right now. He's saying he's talking about in every area of your battle. Are you believing that Jesus Christ's finished work is sufficient? Your, his righteousness to you qualifies you to receive all things. Do you trust that? Yes. Then he says, he is a savior of all men, especially to those who believe. So there seems to be a partiality of salvation here. Why? God's salvation for a believer is available in the areas of his, uh, uh, of his uh, struggle only when he believes in that area. It is not available outside of it. His eternity is secure, but his victory, that means his salvation. Salvation means his... Remember the word salvation is not unique to sins. Salvation means in any area, like in this sickness, I need to be saved out of this sickness. Or I need to be saved out of this tragedy. I need to be saved out of this poverty. I need to be saved out of this relationship issue. I need to be saved out of this. I need to be saved out of that. In that area, he is especially is a savior, especially to those who believe. Correct? You got it? So you need to believe this mystery of godliness, the righteousness by faith. You need to believe it if you need to get the benefits of it. Got it? Okay. Keep reading. These things command and teach. Wow. So which is what we are doing right now. I'm commanding this and I'm teaching this. Correct? We are teaching this. Why? Because this is the heart of the gospel. This is how a believer can receive the benefits of sonship. See, what we last time studied is we are sons of God. But the, the caveat is not all sons of God receive the benefits of sonship. The only way you receive the benefits of sonship is by conducting yourself as a son in the house of God. And this is how you conduct yourself. You exercise yourself to godliness. How do you exercise? Anusha. Exercise your sonship. Right? Yeah, how? What's the magic word? You meditate. Meditate. You meditate. Every, everybody say meditate. Meditate. Not perform. Yes. Meditate. Say meditate. 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 Huge. Say huge. Huge. Huge difference. See, in the old covenant, you don't, they don't care whether you meditated. You better bring that sacrifice. Or you better keep the law. But in the new covenant, in this new house, you have to do what? You have to meditate. You have to put it in capital letters. This is how you exercise yourself to godliness. You have to meditate. Look, let me give you the example of that Amex card. Like I'm going on a trip. I meditate on that Amex card. Look at all the benefits. Study all its features. Make sure that I don't leave one buffet uneaten. <laughs> Every lounge I go out and sleep. Or I mean like, I meditate on it. I try to understand the benefits of it. I'm just meditating on it. I'm just eating on it. Looking at all the fine print, everything. What else is free? What else is free? What else is free? Because nothing is charged. All that I have to do is, my only question when I'm looking at the brochure of Amex Platinum card is what? What else is free? Yeah. That is called meditation. Yes. Yeah. Say meditation. meditation. Meditation is finding what is already given to you freely. 
that's meditation and that's what you do so the more you do that you exercise yourself to godliness you don't become more godly no 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 you just receive the benefits of that thing you exercise yourself so when you say what are you doing i'm exercising today what are you exercising i'm just meditating on this godliness that i have i'm just going to spend time this is so cute so i want you to mark this whole chapter of 1st Timothy chapter 3 just highlight the whole chapter and understand what Paul is trying to say don't look at it like some churchy language and all that now that you understood what he's trying to say he's trying to say i'm telling you how to operate as a, as a son in this house correct as a son you need to know all your instruction manual of your house you should know all where the treasures are you need to find out everything every benefits you have a media room make sure you know how all the automation of that media room works you have a, 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 a full house uh, vacuum system know how it operates and that's what we did when we got this house it was a large house it had all the features in it i had no clue of the all the benefits so so many things that we were still discovering and i was like man i didn't have to do that it was all automated stuff and the only way i knew i'm still discovering stuff about this house because it i didn't build it remember it was not made with my hands ah that sounds familiar i didn't make with my hands it was it i inherit i got it right so when i when i got it i had to know what are the other benefits features in the house so i was still looking through the manual in fact i turn my camera i'll see there's a, a, a four big wide binders of instruction manuals of all the features there is there is some stuff that the the plate warmers in our house i have never used a plate warmers <laughs> i don't even know how to operate it like you're supposed to put your dish inside before eating and then you can get hot plates i'm like it's a feature with the house never used it i don't know how to use it because i'm not god and studied the benefits of it but it's available hot plates are available if you come to our house <laughs> <laughs> so you you got it so to the only way i can receive the benefits of this house that i'm living in is if i meditate okay keep reading these things i command and teach let no one despise your youth but be an example to the believers in word what is the next word in conduct in conduct what kind of conduct godliness godliness conduct conduct as a son yes in love in spirit in faith in purity Now look at verse 13 till I come this is almost like Jesus talking to you yeah. till I come what should you do what should a believer do till I come this is Jesus talking through the holy spirit give attention to reading the instruction manual <laughs> or the feature give yourself and give, give attention to reading exhortation which is what I am doing right now I'm exhorting you to tell you guys use the launch it's free it's available I'm exhorting you I'm not exhorting you to change your lifestyle I'm change I'm telling you you're not living up to your lifestyle <laughs> Why are you living like a pauper I'm exhorting you to doctrine teaching the right teaching not the demonic teaching the right teaching Do not neglect the gift that is in you which is given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership that's of the gifts of the holy spirit verse 15 anusha can you read it 
Meditate on these things. righteousness also becomes flesh that means flesh means something that you can touch feel see and hear they will be able to see that progress they will be able to feel your progress they'll be able to smell your progress they'll be able to touch your progress the gentiles i'm talking about yes. but they will be able to see it but the way you receive this progress is by what verse 15 meditate Give yourself entirely to this. Wow. What? Give yourself... Sorry, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, but like, that's what we thought about you. Like, um, you know, we, and because I, live, I keep listening to your Spotify podcast. So when I listen to it, that's what I understood that you meditate, you eat it, right? Like that's what you do. Correct. Like, Correct. Yeah. You just, you just meditate on it. And guess what happens? Yeah. Stuff just happens on the side. Like, you know, your investments are just growing, right? You, you, you're getting millions of dollars coming in. Jobs come in. Uh, opportunities come in. Uh, uh, partnerships come in. Business ideas come in. Like, I was talking to one of my colleagues at work, and I, they, had, they had come to ask me about some advice about investments. And I was telling them, hey... Uh, I don't know about any good advice, but I'll tell you some basic things. But you need to have some diversify your stuff. Then you need to have some businesses that you can invest in. And those businesses should grow. And then I was telling him how, you know, stuff happened in my life. He's like, man, how come that you have the right friends? The right partnerships happen to you? How come the right stocks go up? How come this? I mean, he did, I'm like, after I tell him, I'm like, I don't know. About, I don't know how, how to say that, right? Because, but that is true. That is true. Because stuff just happens. Brothers and sisters, it is, he is not partial to me, he is not partial to you. Yes. When you meditate on this word of righteousness, stuff happens. Amen. Your progress will be evident to all. It is going to happen whether you like it or not. I mean, there is no way that the seed will go into this ground and not produce it. It is going to happen. So, you know what I mean? This it is so this is profitable that's why he says paul says this is a worthy saying it is profitable for all things 
It's especially for the life that is now. Now. Life now. Why? Because you inherit all things. This whole world. Like, why would the father say to the younger son, you, you could have had the goat any time. I, I was not stopping you from that. What stopped him was his mindset because he didn't meditate that he was a son. He did not give himself entirely to the fact that he was a son. So he should have all been worried about what has the father done for me? What has the father already made available for me? Remember when the father divided his inheritance? The Bible says he divided his inheritance to both the sons. And the father was living on whose inheritance? Sons. Sons <laughs> so the father was living on his inheritance. So the father was eating his son's food. The father was eating his living in his son's house. And the son was thinking that the father has been keeping stuff. The father is happy to have him in his own house. I mean, the father is happy that the son is keeping him in the house. That is why the Bible says, if anyone is willing, me, we, my Father, the Holy Spirit and me will come and dwell with you. Wow! Just the thought of it. That the Father is glad to live in your house. Which is a fact because He gave you that house as an inheritance and He dwells in it. Hallelujah. Okay. Verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Look at the focus on the teaching, Alkesh. How much that focus is there. Give your, uh, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Be, look, look, be careful on what you believe. Be careful what you believe. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both who? Yourself. yourself. See, you always think, you always think that this doctrine is very good to preach. <laughs> oh, this is such good preaching material. Oh, this is so good to share with others. Guys, this is first good for you. Yes. Say for me. For me. For my health. For my, health. For my uh, prosperity. For my, prosperity. For my relationship. For my, for my ministry. For my ministry. For my job. For my, job. For my children. For my children. Then. For those who hear you. See? It is first profitable. It's for in doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Hear you. Isn't that good? Is, it is so good. It is so good. This is the mystery of godliness and how we should do it. Okay. So, let's go to this. You will love it. This you will love it. Go to Romans chapter 8. And coming back to our message of what we started off with. What shall we say to these things? Romans chapter 8. So just stay with me. We are coming to the heart of what we just understood from 1 Timothy. Heart of everything that the Holy Spirit is saying today. And he's, he's 
bringing it to a conclusion. Remember, Romans chapter 8 is one of those most powerful, very favorite chapters in all of Christianity, right? I mean, Romans chapter 8 is like the most, like the, like I would say, the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church, for a church what to have, but it's not been understood. Now, now you have a context of this, right? This chapter follows Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is that angry chapter of Paul. Remember we talked about Paul the angry man? You know, he's like, I can't do what I want to do. I, I can't perform what I'm supposed to perform. I don't find what I'm good to say. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Body of death is, he's not talking about his body, right? Uh, if I think a lot of people already know this. In those days, there were different ways to punish people. One of the ways to punish people is if somebody, they, they will kill somebody and they will uh, bind that dead body with you and they will tie it down with you and you had to walk with this rotting dead body and you couldn't get away from it. This was worse than uh, being killed. You had to smell this and you, and you would die along with that dead body decaying on your back. I mean, the horrible kind of thing. So Paul is saying, this, my performance to receive my righteousness is like that. I cannot get away from this death, this law. That is, what is this law? There are three laws that he talks about in Romans chapter 7. There is the law of God, which is good. Then there is the law of sin, which is in his members. And then there is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Just, just repeat after me. Three laws. Three laws. Three laws. The law of God. The law of God. The law of sin. The law of sin. And the law of uh, the law of the the law of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Say the law. The law of the spirit of life of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Okay, so let let I'm go, I'm building a foundation here, and it's good for you to know this foundation. There are three laws. There's a law of God, correct? The law of God is saying you do this, you will be blessed. If you don't do this, you're going to be cursed. It doesn't matter. You you do a lot of good, but if you do just one thing wrong, you're going to be cursed. Correct? That's the law of God. The law of God does not give you a way to become righteous. The law of God only tells you that if you break the law, you will be lawless. And you cannot inherit anything. But if you perform everything, then you are clean. So the law of God. Then the law of sin. The law of sin says, if you sin, you die. And the law of sin is working in your bodies, in your, in your not just in your body, in the unregenerated man. That is, before you were born again, the law of sin was working in it. And it is still working in that old man. It is still working. So if you ever try to eat of this tree of the knowledge and good and evil, which is the law, any time you reach out your hand and touch it, what happens? The law of sin and death uh, attacks you. That's what happens as a believer. Like you, you, you go towards this performance or you go towards that I will. I will do this. I will change my behavior. I will stop doing this. I will stop doing that. I will. Remember that word, I will? 
the moment you say I will, you are going into flesh. Flesh means not sex. Flesh is not the body. Flesh means your desire to live godly apart from faith in Christ Jesus. Your desire to live godly apart from Christ Jesus. Your desire to live godly by your will. Your desire to live godly by your actions. Your desire to... See, just your desire makes you subject to this law of sin. You will. It will. And Paul realized it. He's like, how is it that I want to do good, but I just cannot get to do it? Who is good? And a lot of believers, a lot of preachers have messed up that passage and they say that this is the life of a believer right now. It is not. Because he says, I thank God through Christ Jesus who has set me free. Now, how, do, how, how, do, how do I explain set you free? If, I, if somebody says you are free, then are you bound? No. No. See, you are free from this prison. Are you still in prison? No. No. You are released. Still are you captive? So Paul is saying, I thank God. Look at verse uh, Romans chapter 7, verse the last verse, 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? That he, what did he do? He delivered me from this body of death. Okay. Now he, and, the, and you'll say, but what is the last verse? What is, why does it say, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. He's talking about in his state before he was born again. He is born again with his mind. He wanted to keep the law. But with his, what, but with his uh, flesh, he was, he was, the law of sin was operating in him. So he's saying, that was my state. But I thank God because I've been free from this. And that's how he cha- starts Romans chapter 8. Say Romans 8. Romans 8. See, Romans 8 is not Romans 7. Romans 8 is this born again son of God chapter. This is born again Paul, not Saul. This is the born again son of God's testimony. And the Holy Spirit is now telling you what should you do in the house of God. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Verse 8. Romans chapter uh, uh, 8 verse 1. Romans chapter 8 Verse 1. There is present tense. Therefore now, present tense. No condemnation. Those who are where? In Christ. Christ. Underline that word in. Location determines your position. position. Write it down. Location determines your position. Now it is no longer. Something has changed in Romans chapter 8. Suddenly it says there is no law, no there is now no condemnation. Oh my goodness, this is like music to a man's ears. There is now no condemnation and it has nothing to do with my performance, nothing to do with my behavior, it has everything to do with my position. It's like saying, there is no going to be any rain in Dallas. Let me ask you a question. 
So will it reign over the good people? No. No. Will it reign over the bad people? No. No. Will it reign on the lukewarm? No. No. Guys, where will where who will it reign? Nobody. Nobody. Why? You're in Dallas. Because you're in Dallas. <laughs> I mean, you just have to get this picture. You are in Dallas. There is no rain in Dallas. So if you want rain, you have to go to Chicago. Correct? Come to Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham, there's always rains out there, right? Hey, that's a shower's a blessing, buddy. Shower's a yeah. blessing, right? So you have to get out of this location to experience condemnation. Yes. So no, brother, I really want to be condemned. I re- <laughs> <laughs> See, if you want to be condemned, you have to get out of the location. So let me give you some good news. You cannot get out of this location. Hallelujah. You cannot get out of this location. So Joseph Prince talks about this. This is very powerful. I just love it. He says, when you were a prisoner of sin in Adam. Remember Adam was like Jesus? Everybody was in Adam. Correct? And when, when, when people in Adam, that means descendants of Adam, we are all called Adam. Man means Adam. That was the meaning of that word. Right? Adam. So, when, when they did any good work, could they get out of this sin, Adam? No. No. If they did a lot of good work, could they escape out of this Adam? No. Why? How do we know they could not escape? They're all in Adam. How do you know they could not escape? They were dying. They were dying, Annie. That's the Holy Spirit. See, that was the proof that they could not escape. If you died, that means you never exited Adam. Hallelujah, we exited Adam yesterday. (laughs) Do you know how powerful is that? That death of Jesus exited you out of Adam. Forget about getting heaven. I just want to get off this train. (laughs) Oh, but but you are in Arizona and it's a desert. But at least I'm not going to hell. (laughs) Do you know how important it was to get off this train? This is how you knew nobody exited Adam. Because everybody died. Everybody died. So my question is, when you were in Adam and you died, you did anything good, you could not exit out of Adam by being good. So how can you now say, now that you're in Christ Jesus, if you do anything bad, you're booted off this train? Because I already died. No, because Jesus Christ is much more powerful as a body, a greater name than Adam's name. It's a fo- Remember he said, you are Lord, your throne is forever. See, God would not give that title and position to Adam. He never told Adam, you are going to be my son forever when he made him. He was a son of God, but he was not told that he will be a son forever. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, he called him, you are my son. 
you Lord, your throne is forever. I just told you in Hebrews chapter 1. That means your position now in Christ Jesus is a far better position than Adam had. Adam could exit out of blessing, but he could not exit out of curse. You cannot exit out of Jesus, period. No one can take you out of my hand. No one. In fact, Jesus uses this word. He says, no one can take you out of my hand and my father's hand. My father is greater than all. What is the context? The father is greater than all in what context? In what context? He's saying in the context that he will not allow you to get out. That door is locked by the father himself. He cannot exit righteousness. You can't write. This is great. Just write it down. You cannot exit righteousness. Amen. You cannot, brothers and sisters, exit righteousness. You cannot. I'm just sorry. You just cannot exit righteousness. You cannot exit righteousness. I, you, you are... Your progress will be evident to all. There is no choice. Angels know this. They see you righteous. You cannot exit righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have not even started Romans chapter 8. We are still in in Christ Jesus verse 1. Okay. Those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the first time, you see a responsibility and, and or an option of, or an action by the believer, right? Look at the, for the first time. He says, those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who walk, for those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That means what is critical? Walking in this, walking according to the spirit. Now, this I know this is this is this sounds uh, church churchy language. Walk according to the spirit. Walk this. Walk flesh. Doesn't make sense, brothers and sisters. You will see this so clearly today. What he's trying to say is your position in Christ Jesus is fixed. You cannot get out of it, but your decision to walk is optional. Yes. Huge. And that explains why some believers experience victories while others don't. Correct? Because they decide to walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit. So what do you mean according to the flesh? Oh, it doesn't mean that I should not be sexually, I should not commit sin, I should not do this. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with sin. Say nothing to do with sin. Nothing to do with sin. That opens up Romans chapter 8. See, Romans chapter 8 is hidden for a lot of believers because when they read the word flesh, they think sin. Flesh has nothing to do with sin. 
Flesh means your approach for godliness. Yes. Say, my approach towards godliness. So he says, if you decide to, now you may be walking according to the flesh, means according to your desire to be good, like Paul was trying to do. He was, he was obeying the law, he was trying to do the best things, but he was walking according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Flesh. He says, guess what's going to happen? There will be condemnation. The moment you try, the moment you say, uh, Anil, from tomorrow onwards, I am going to get ready. <laughs> Forget about what you say in the next words. You just, you're just getting ready for what? Condemnation. Condemnation. You got it. The moment you start saying the words, I will. Remember Paul says, the moment, what is the flesh? Flesh is the desire to do. I will is your flesh. The moment, you say, but Anil, I'm, I'm, I want to do the right thing. I want to take care of my family. Good thoughts. <laughs> but get ready for condemnation. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be, behave very well with my wife. Sure, get ready. Just two lines. You feel so good about it. Today, see, I never fought with my wife. I'm feeling so good. And then, like, out of the blue, this wrath just shows up. And, you know, you know, some crazy... And then you see that. This suddenly, this, like, out, noun issues becomes issues. Why? Because you have decided to do right. Isn't that good? Shouldn't I do right? Yeah, you should do right. But which way? You have to decide to walk in the spirit. Means what do you mean by, by the spirit? Spirit means you have to receive the godliness by faith. The righteousness by faith. Because who set you free from this law of sin? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, you want the end goal is the same. Like for example, you want healing about some area in your life, right? So you decide, okay, the, I want to walk according to the flesh. Means doesn't mean that I'm going to, oh, I'm going to stop watching bad things. I'm going to stop gossiping. No, that's not what he's talking about. With respect to your healing, are you going to walk according to the flesh? So you'll say, Lord Jesus, I am going to be good. I'm going to give my tithes and I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm not going to, I'm going to help people. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to do all this. Therefore, I, my healing will come forth speedily. So, there's nothing bad about it, right? So, is he walking according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Flesh. Flesh. Because it's not about sin, right? So, you don't receive it. And then what happens? You get condemned. Because you'll say, ah, see I just got angry with that co-worker at work. Or I just got, I did that. See, I lost it. You know what? I should have, I should have behaved more better with my wife. Or I should have more behaved better with my husband. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, you know what? Ah, why did I make that mistake? Maybe next time when she says that, I will say this. Or next time 
uh, when that uh, that investment happens you know what i made a mess up in that investment because i didn't do this 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 but next time i will not make the same mistake any i'm not going to make the same mistake i will <laughs> or i will not do the, you know you know stuff like that like you will you will now decide naturally with your strength right i will not the moment you do that you're condemned you will not you will therefore he says there is no condemnation on those who walk according to the spirit according to the flesh but according to the spirit why verse 2 for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death my goodness that means the law of spirit of life in christ jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death sin and death is a transactional law say transactional you do it you get the consequences for it how many of you like that law you like that law anusha <laughs> how many of you like this law where you do good you get good you do bad you get bad do you like this law or do you don't want to be part of that law you don't want to be part of the law but you said isn't this good that if i do good then i get good it isn't that good what's the problem with that do bad yeah because you can never do good remember what to do do good is not in you paul just discovered that he's saying there is nothing good in your flesh He's, talk, he's not talking about your body. A lot of people will read this passage and they'll think about, in my body there is no good thing. He's not talking that. He's saying in your ability to produce fruit in your flesh, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. You're not going to receive. So keep reading. For the, what the law couldn't do that it... For, for verse 3 for what the law could not do that it was weak through the flesh god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled in each one of you it has been fulfilled it has been fulfilled okay verse 5 and we will close soon i know we we have taken some time but look at verse 5 for those who live according to the flesh can somebody read that read romans chapter 8 verse 5 for those god god says for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit the things of the the things of the spirit correct so let's translate this every can can everybody read this verse in your own way can you look at that verse because remember the the mystery of romans chapter 8 what is the mystery we are free from uh, no yeah we are free but what is the mystery what is the what is the biggest question of romans chapter 8 there is no condemnation yeah that is fine but what is your question in romans chapter 8 bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit if that is the fact right and you want the benefits of no condemnation correct 
Yes or no? Correct? Then the next question is what? How to walk. How to walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How, how to walk. How to walk is the question. See, because if, if somebody can tell me how to walk, I, I've got it. Right? Right? Romans chapter 8 verse 5 tells you how to walk. Let's read it. Setting your mind. That's what the key is, right? Correct. Let's read it again. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on the things of the flesh. Correct. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Spirit. So those who live According to the flesh, set their minds on the flesh. I'm looking for the magic word. Those who live according. Uh, Anusha's magic word. Those who live. Those who live by meditating. Or correct. Those who live meditate. There you go. This is the key. Those who live meditate. See, this is the key. Remember what Paul is writing to Timothy. Give yourself entirely. Meditate. Those, see, this, that's the only difference, right? I mean, that's the only difference. You are already in Christ Jesus. Your righteousness is assured. Your godliness is assured. The only difference is condemnation. Okay? Then everybody has these problems with condemnation. The problem with condemnation is applies to a believer also. That's what we discovered in Romans chapter 8, which should not apply. Because it doesn't say there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Who do not walk according, who do not walk according to the flesh. That means the implication is what? That you should walk according to the No. Yeah, that is true. But what is the implication? That there, is still there is still condemnation for a believer who walks according to the flesh. See, that never makes sense. But it is true. And see, so, see, see Satan is playing a long game with believers. He cannot get rid of your destiny. Because that is fixed. But he can make your life here miserable. By bringing condemnation. But how can a believer receive condemnation? Because. Meditating according to flesh. Flesh. What is meditating according to the flesh? You are thinking in your mind. You know what? I need to change my behavior. Oh, that, That's flesh. I am going to do this. I am going to do that. I am going to take all these actions. I am going to do this. If I just do the right things. You are walking according to the flesh. You, Brothers and sisters, see how deceiving this thing is? You have to meditate on the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That the righteous requirement of the law has been fulfilled in us. 
you have to put everything in the past tense. You meditate as if it is already done. You have to meditate. So what, what, do you, what does it say? Romans chapter 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now let's translate it according to what we just understood. Okay? Those, for those who live according to the flesh, meditate on the things of the flesh. Yes or no? Okay? But those who live according to the spirit, meditate on the things of the spirit. So the only difference is, let's now replace live with what? Meditate. Right? Because if I say, hey, this guy lives, that means he lives, he breathes up oxygen. So if I say, hey, this guy does not live, that means what? He does not breathe oxygen. Okay, can I now replace that word, this guy does not live with this guy breathes oxygen? Sure. You can say, hey, this guy does not breathe oxygen, this guy breathes oxygen. It's the same thing because he's saying this guy lives. This guy does not live. Make sense? So Paul, the Holy Spirit is writing here. He's saying, those who live, meditate. He doesn't say that the, those who live by the flesh does not live. Did you notice that? Yes. They also live. But how do they live? Miserably. Miserably. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, do you get this? Believers live miserably. But they do live. So the question is, so let's replace with this word live. Now when you read in Romans chapter 8 word live, replace it with meditate. So you say, those who meditate on the things of the spirit have no condemnation. You got it? That's how you live without condemnation. And then that doesn't make you angry. You got it? Because now you have received the sonship. You're meditating. So like the older son, if he was meditating on his sonship, would he be angry? No. No. Because he would be in the house killing all the cattle. <laughs> because he's meditating on his sonship. Therefore, he won't be angry. Because he's discovering more stuff that is freely belongs to him. You got it? And that's what you should do. I'll say, but I'm just, this is all good for you to say, but practically I'm having a bad time. Okay. Let me ask you a question. You're having a bad time right now, but do you want to get out of it or not? I want to get out of it. I'm mad about this mad time. Okay. So, but then, then do you want to get out of it? Yes. Then what does James say? The, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Means what? You being mad is not going to get out, get you out of it. So he, he's not talking about you being mad with each other. <laughs> See, we always read that and thinking that, you know, this is talking about believers being mad with each other. No. Who is James, the James talking to? He's talking to the Jew who is mad at God because he's not getting the righteousness and the benefits of it having kept the law. Hallelujah. 
Well, how many times believers have got just got mad with God? They don't get physically mad with God. All they get, the way they get mad with God is by calling him low. <laughs> they just don't call him father. They're like, low all these years. I have kept all the commandments and you have not given me one goat. Lo, you never call him father. You never call him father because you have no clue about this father. Because you are not meditating on sonship. And I mean, uh, if you don't meditate on the sonship or like what your identity is, uh, you react, your response or you react to the situation completely different. Correct. Completely inflamed. Correct. Uh, Correct, yeah. correct. Anusha, hold that thought. Yeah. Hold that thought. Your response now to any challenge in your life is now predicated on what you were meditating on. Yes. If you're meditating on your actions that you have to take, you're going to be constantly frustrated because there is nothing in you to produce it. You do not go. Anytime you are tempted to go to the flesh, read Romans. Eight. No. Romans 7. 7. 7. Read the last part. If any time you are tempted to go to the flesh, read Romans 7. Paul says, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. What does the t-shirt say? T-shirt say, nothing good comes. Nothing good. You cannot get stuff done through the flesh. Just give up. So anytime you're tempted, if Paul couldn't get it, I mean, Paul, I mean, the guy was the Pharisee of Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin, taught among Gamaliel, of the top teacher, of all the people who needed to be blessed, he should have been and he's then been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I cannot get it. And he's telling Timothy, I'll tell you how to get it. This is the mystery. Meditate. Guys, are you hearing it? Are you hearing what the Holy Spirit is telling? Stop being miserable. Live. Meditate. Okay, keep reading. Look at verse 6. How critical it is. See what is he saying in verse 6. Alkesh, can you read that? To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Life and peace? So what is he talking? To be what minded? Flesh minded. That means you're, you're constantly, your mind, that means, is it still meditation here? Yes. Yes. That means, he says, if you are flesh minded, action minded, Plan minded, vision minded, hey, I've got all these steps that I need to follow minded, program minded, connections minded. If only I knew that guy as a friend minded. If I only was born in this family minded. If I only had this gifting minded. <laughs> you, you've got this, what is the common thing about all this? I, I, you see that I in this? If I, and sounds all good, but he says, the, if you're carnally minded, what it produces? Death. Death. That means your healing does not happen. Death. Your poverty, your prosperity doesn't happen. Death. 
See, death is not eternal death. See, this chapter is not about your eternity. It's about your life now. Yes. Remember, Timothy said, it's profitable for the all things. All things. Life now. now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. To be carnally minded means constantly thinking, oh, you know what, if this strategy minded, you know, this connection minded, this opportunity minded, this, you know, I miss that opportunity minded. Or next time I will not miss this opportunity minded. I will make, not make the same mistake minded. You got it? Doesn't matter. You just fill in the blanks. You are carnally minded. So you would look at that passage before as an unbeliever or a believer, you would look at it. When you, when you read that passage, carnally minded, what did you think before you knew this teaching? Think about uh, sinning. And... Correct. You would, you would think about sins. You would think about drinking, watching porn, getting angry. Doing all the things. He's talking about that. But he says, those are the fruits of what you are thinking already. You're thinking to receive this godliness by works. And this cardinally minded is death. And to be spiritual and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace means what? Peace means what? Shalom. When, when, a, when a Jew says shalom, that means is everything is prosperous. Think Job. If you are not at the position of Job, you are not Shalom. Like Job said, when, when and anybody asked Job after he was restored, Job, how are things? What would he say? Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Double the goods, double the money, double the cattle, double the goods. Shalom, brother. Shalom. All my sons, all my daughters. Guess what? Me and my daughters are beauty queens in the land. You know, that is shalom. Not my idea. God's idea of shalom. Shalom, brothers and sisters. Expect the shalom. Because why? You have received all things. Justified in your spirit. Manifest in your flesh. Received in glory. Believed on in the world. You get the mystery of godliness now? Are you getting it? So that's what is shalom. This is peace. Okay. Keep reading. Verse 8. So though, then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't have to explain that. But now you are. Look at verse 9. But. Look at the word but. You are not in the flesh. That clarifies it once for all. Yeah. Correct. You are not in the flesh. Why? Why are you not in the flesh? You are in Christ Jesus. Correct. You are in Christ Jesus. Remember location? You are not in New York. Where are you? In Christ Jesus. In Dallas. <laughs> Correct? You are in Dallas. Like for example, if you are in Dallas, you are in Dallas. So Paul is saying, you, you are, by the way, let me clarify this. While he's writing all this, he's, he's now, he's, the Holy Spirit is very careful so that he doesn't want you to think now that your location has shifted. He's now not saying because you are miserable, you are not in Dallas. 
This is how beautiful the Holy Spirit is. He's very tender. He's reaffirming your location. He's saying, but you are not in the flesh. Why? Then he said, but how come all these bad things are happening to me? What is the answer? You are walking. You are living. You are not meditating on the things of Dallas. You are meditating on the things of Chicago. So it's everything cold for you here. (laughs) It's cold. You are meditating on it. You are having blankets. You are putting a heater on. You are doing all super things. Your conduct is not worthy of Dallas weather. Correct? So you have to meditate on the things of God. On the things of the spirit. If you, but, you are not in, but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is alive. That means your human spirit is alive because of righteousness. See, your spirit is now righteous and your spirit is alive. Okay, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit which dwells in you. This is huge for healing. So what he's saying is, uh, the Holy Spirit is acknowledging the fact that you are a born-again new creation, but he also knows that your body is still mortal. That means it has death operating in it. But he says, because you are meditating on the things of the spirit, the spirit that lives in you will give life to your mortal bodies. That means it will... See, technically, your mortal body, which is not of the package of the new creation, has death working in it. Yes or no? Yes. Correct? So it should not receive healing, correct? Because it's not of the new creation, correct? Yes. How many of you all agree? Your spirit is born again, so the uh, spirit uh, needs, uh, uh, is, has the benefits of new creation, correct? But your body is not of the new creation. The body is of the old creation, Adam, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct? So it has death working in it. That's why you have sickness, disease, the death operating in it. But the Bible says, if you do what I'm telling you to do, what will happen? The spirit of God that lives in you will do what? Which will give life to your mortal bodies. You don't have to wait till rapture to enjoy the benefits of this new birth. Hallelujah. So you have access to everlasting youth in your body right now. But You need to do what? Meditate. Meditate. Now if you want to live forever, what do you do? Just meditate. Meditate on the fact that there is no death in Christ Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, if I want John to live forever, what is that to you? So if John meditates on that verse saying that Jesus doesn't want me to die, I will live till I see him, guess what happens? What's going to happen? He won't die. This is exactly what happened when Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land. Remember, all his peers died in the wilderness, except Joshua and Caleb. Because what were, what were they doing in the 40 years in the wilderness? Meditating. They were meditating on what? On the promised land. No. 
you tell me what they were meditating on and i will send you a gift card <laughs> no oh vague you need to be very specific in what they were meditating on the location on the location they are they are going i see resurrection from raj coming out <laughs> i want that exact word verse what i will never die i will never die just uh, just throwing it out there <laughs> hey gift card you need to be accurate what was the exact word that joshua and caleb was meditating on canon okay can you pick that verse somebody pick that verse and tell me what they were reading meditating no 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 i need the verse Joshua one eight. Which one? No, 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 no. Let's go to numbers fourteen. Numbers fourteen. Okay. No, no, we're talking about what they were meditating. They'll tell you after the end of that forty years. Okay, it, it the hint they it, it came out of the mouth of Caleb. Yes, Caleb tells that. Yes, given us the land. One second, one second. Just get me the verse. Joshua fourteen. Joshua. Okay, let's go to Joshua chapter fourteen. Okay, Joshua chapter fourteen. Joshua one, one say. meditating on he was meditating on the inheritance no on the word of moses on the word of moses so 40 years he is reminding himself moses said what you will inherit you will inherit no what is the exact word uh swore on the day saying surely surely man where your foot has my foot see he is very specific He said, "Surely, no. I want you to read it. I want you to underline verse. It's in my Bible. It is underlined. See, that is the verse that kept Joshua 
and Caleb Young. Yes. See, remember the word keeps you young? This is the word. See, he was spirit of God minded. He was meditating on this every day morning when people are dying all around him. All his peers are getting old. What is he meditating on? Surely. Surely. See, he said, Moses said, I remember that. Like he's seeing uh, gray patches coming here and there or something like that. He says, no, 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 no. I remember Moses said, surely the land where your foot has trodden, that means he's talking about me, shall be your inheritance and your children forever. See, if, if he was... If he was not meditating accurately, he would have missed which part? The surely part? No. Children's. He would have he would have believed the children's inheritance, but he would have not believed for him. Yeah. You see the key? Yes. He accurately remembered. He accurately remembered that Moses said that it even I will inherit it. Everybody is very happy. You know what? Even if in my life I don't receive a a nice house, (laughs) nice building, my bachonka to ho jayega. (laughs) Why? So guess what? You will die quick and your bacha will come soon. (laughs) (laughs) You need to meditate specific. He was very specific that you will inherit. Correct? And it will be for you and for your children. So Caleb was like, if that is true, then I need to be strong also because I have to walk into this place and take over the giants. Correct? Yes. I I cannot be like, hospice place, Caleb, he needs to inherit the land, but somehow, you know, he has been kept on drip and all that. And no, 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 no. I need to be strong. And guess what had happened? Let's look at the next verse. And now, behold, the Lord behold. and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke. See, what is he focused on? The Lord's word. You want to be young forever? I mean, if Caleb can be young forever under the old covenant, what stops you? I mean, stop meditating on all the junk symptoms that are supposed to come because you're old. Oh, I've got menopause right now and therefore I'm expecting all these things. Or I've got this and it's a season for allergies and therefore I need to... Stop meditating on it. Are you... What minded are you? Are you Google minded? Or are you word minded? You have to decide. Milu is saying I'm screaming, but I have to scream. <laughs> okay, but sorry. Okay, so he said, so he said, these 45 years since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, now here I am, this day, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as on that day that the Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for, for war, both for coming out and for going out and for coming in. 
Therefore, give me this mountain for of which again the Lord spoke. Look at his focus is about what Lord spoke. And that, that word kept him alive and strong for 45 years and he was 85 years old. Brothers and sisters, we are, we are finding out Romans chapter 8 is about what is on your mind. About the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has set you free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Romans, hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8 and then we'll bring it down to a close. Romans chapter 8. There are a lot of things in this Romans chapter 8 and you can, you can study about that. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Let's replace live with? Meditate. Meditate. So let's re re read this verse with that word meditate. Therefore, we are debtors. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh but to meditate, not to the flesh to meditate according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh, let's replace live with meditate. So let's read it with meditate, verse 13. For if you meditate according to the flesh, if you meditate according to the flesh, you will die. die. But if you by the spirit meditate, you will put to death the deeds of your body and you will live. live. You will put to death the deeds of the body. That means the outcomes that your body is telling, you will put it to death. Amen. You will put it to death. You'll say, but this healing cannot happen. I don't care. I'm going to meditate and put that bad report to death. Amen. I'm going to put that report to death. I'm going to put that expectation of the enemy to death. I am going to put that to death by meditating on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to put it to death. The deeds of the body. I'm going to put it to death. Okay. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. That's the word there. By which we cry out, Abba, Father. Perfect. That's the spirit of sonship. That is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What is the operative word? What do we do? We cry out. Did you notice that you cry out? You confess with your mouth. You cry out, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with the Spirit that we are children of God. See, what was this godliness all about? It's about you being the sons of God. So you have to speak it out, brothers and children, sisters. You have to speak it out. When you say Abba Father, you are actually saying what? You are saying I am the daughter, I am the son. Son of God. By the way, there is no male or female in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We are all sons of God. Right now. We are all sons of God. So we are sons of God. So we speak it with our mouth. Okay? So let me ask you a question. So look at who all is speaking with our mouth. So you have to speak it. Correct? With your mouth that you are a son of God. You have to receive the benefits of the sonship. 
You have to receive the benefits of this house. You need to receive the benefits, but you have to cry out, Abba, Father. You cannot come to God and say, God, and expect to receive. You cannot come to him and say, Lo. You cannot come and say, you have to use the words. What are the words? Father. What? Not even Father. The Holy Spirit have left it untranslated so that it is not even like Father. It's almost like Daddy. Yes. Because the children who call their parents Daddy, Papa, are the ones who receive freely. The ones who call them Father, <laughs> they don't receive freely because they are afraid. But the ones who call Papa or Daddy receive freely because you know your position. Okay, keep reading. For if children, what is the implication of children? Look at verse 17. And if children, then what? Heirs. See, the, I'm saying, this is so cool. The Holy Spirit is telling you, don't just call me daddy because you like me. I know why are you after, after why you're calling me daddy. You want my estate, right? I just call you daddy because you know you're so loving I love you no 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 I know what you're after you want to be heirs right and that's what you remember the son the mother of the sons of Zebedee James and John they came to Jesus privately <laughs> it was like away from all the other disciples and they said Lord they called him Lord like getting ready you know uh, can you give me uh, what we desire? So Jesus was like, okay, whatever you wish, you can have. But what is it? <laughs> Jesus was very smart. Okay, let me, find, let me know what you want to ask. Because this is pre-resurrection. Not all things are his. <laughs> it is not even his. He, he cannot give what <laughs> It's like telling you, hey, uh, uh, Sushil, you're so good, man. Can you give me your neighbor's house? <laughs> Talk about your house first, right? So Jesus is saying, Okay, let, tell me what you want, then I can decide whether to give it or not. Because it has to be mine for to give. In fact, that is exactly the verse that Jesus used. When they came, he said, what is it that you want? He said, grant. He's not, so is he using the right words? Is, is, is the mother of sons of Zebedee asking the right words? Grant that these my two sons shall sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Is this good that they asked? She asked. Yes. Yes. Because he, she is operating according to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. She is not asking based on their performance. They are not saying that you, are, you give them because they did something good. What is the word she used? Grant. Grant. 
when you grant something you are not earning it let me ask you a question manor does ericsson give you your salary as a grant or as wages 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 they don't give it to you as a grant yeah. you'll be offended if they give it to you as a grant correct like you i earned it buddy i know you gave me my money but don't write grant there okay please change it why it offends you yes correct but not anymore monor if they want to grant you a million dollars hallelujah thank you jesus correct yes <laughs> we are not operating according to the spirit of we are not operating according to the flesh but according to the spirit, spirit. of life where we receive how how do we receive now freely freely fukat mein fukat mein <laughs> that's the word you have to learn to shamelessly receive see the israelites on the night of the passover they had to learn this they had to go up to their neighbors and practice this very important gift talent that they needed to operate in the new kingdom and what was the talent ask ask ask, ask. see in this new kingdom you have to be a proficient professional asker <laughs> you need to know how to ask and that is why when you are born again and the holy spirit comes upon you he gives you what an asking language <laughs> that is the first thing he knows of all the things you need in this new creation is what asking an asking language you he he makes you guys let me show you how to ask somebody can write a song on that you are not asking correctly you are not asking enough let me show you ask the father for this ask the father for that ask the father for incredible things ask the holy spirit is like why are you not asking oh i am just a servant no okay stop english let me give you a language just volunteer your tongue let me do the asking for you but i need you to ask because that's the only way it operates so let me take over your tongue brother or sister and let me spend the next two hours doing what asking asking now you will now you know why you will not be ashamed to speak in tongues if you knew that is it is a professional godly fine honed asking language you will spend more time asking in fact james is very clear he told the jews you do not have because you do not ask he saying you do not ask so the the mother of the sons of zebedee did the right thing she went up to jesus and asked he says grant us that my sons will sit one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom and what did jesus say jesus didn't say i will not allow them to give that he said what he said can you drink of the cup that i drink of and be baptized with the baptism that i am baptized with and they said what yes 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Let me ask you a question. Can they do that? No. They can't. So did they correct, uh, did they answer correctly or incorrectly? Incorrectly. How many of you will agree that they answered incorrectly? Incorrectly. 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 Let's hear what Jesus said. You will indeed. <laughs> just, you, just, you just told me that, that they answered incorrectly. But Jesus said that he, they, uh, he, you will indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Correct, Anusha. <coughs> Can you repeat that loud? <laughs> because they, they, as, as they accepted Jesus as their you know, savior, because they drank with him, because he drank for them. Correct. Because he did it for us. Right? Correct. So Correct. He drank for them. So he, their, body, their spirit also did that with Cor him, with Jesus. Correct. See, do you know that when Jesus suffered for, his, for your sins, you also suffered. Suffered with him. With yeah. But, but not by you suffering. It was credited to you. Credited to you. Yes. Say credit. Credit. So when, when God, Jesus says, it has been credited to you as if you paid the price. Yes. Isn't that cool? Because when the reward comes, it is also justified. That is why the word says the mystery of godliness is your spirit was justified. That means God credited that baptism. God credited that cup as if you died, as if you paid the price. Yes, Jesus did it, but it is credited to you as if you did it. Why? Therefore, when Satan comes and he in his kingdom comes and tries to exact a price from you today, what will you say to them? It's already paid. Already paid. Or? I already drank it. I already drank it. See, that's hard for you to say if you do not know the reality and the mystery of godliness in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I already suffered. I already died. Yeah. Did you, did you, do you know this truth, brothers and sisters, that you paid the price? And he cannot make you pay the price again. See, when you don't, if you do not believe this truth, so guess what's going to happen? If when he comes again with the same sickness, you'll say, yeah, Jesus died. That's fine. But you know, I did not suffer. But then I, I this is my turn to suffer. But if you know the truth that you had also suffered, then there is no scope for the enemy's deception in your life. How can you suffer? How can you drink a cup that you already drank? And that is not the you, you. It was your dead you. The Sushil Bar Gyanas Gyana Reddy. Sushil Bar Gyana Reddy drank the cup. Sushil Bar Yahweh does not need to drink any more cups. Amen. You see the difference? Yes. So that's the, that's the thing. So let's keep reading. So, so he said, 
he says, but for, for, to, for to sit at my right hand on my left hand is not mine to give. Remember? So Jesus is very specific. This is before resurrection. Before resurrection, that place was not available. It was not his. Jesus to give. Remember that place. Who was at that place before Jesus was rose from the dead? Satan? No, Satan was not in that place. (laughs) To sit at the right hand and the left hand, that place was not available. That place was available. Then Jesus said, go, I go to prepare a place for you. Yes. That place was not available. It was prepared by my father. Mm. So the father prepared that place. And that place was given to Jesus first. Remember we studied in Hebrews chapter 1. He has exalted him and given him a name above every name. And he's exalted and made him seated. Co-heirs with Christ in Christ Jesus. This seated place is a high place that was available Jesus occupied it. And now in Jesus, we occupy it. So it was very, very specific that Jesus could not give it before resurrection. But after resurrection, you and I have it. So that place is available. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. And he says, if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Look at the next verse, next part. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be Glorified, glorified, glorified together. It's Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, If children then hairs, hairs of God and joint hairs with uh, Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, see? We suffered. We suffered with him. Yeah. So if you suffered with him, you should be able to receive the inheritance with him. Yes or no? Yes. So this is what he's again proving the point. The Holy Spirit is telling When Christ suffered, you suffered. When Christ was raised up, you were raised up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Look at what verse 18 says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20 For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, so I want you to remember three things that you should know. We know that creation groans and labors. So creation groans, say creation groans. groans. And what is creation groaning? So creation is groaning to tell. So creation wants to know who are the sons of God. So what is creation? Everything we see. Everything that you see. Like Alkesh, in your context, what would be creation? Wherever I sit. Like your job is creation. Your, uh, your family, created being, your, ev- everything, every, uh, everything around you, created being, is crying out to say, are you a son of God? 
I want to get stuff to you. I want to get healing to you. I, I want to get your victory to you. Are you a son of God? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Creation is asking that. Alkish is like, I am a son of God. So you're, you're revealing that. You got Creation is groaning, is waiting. Groaning, that means what? It is using what? Words. It's using. It's, it's making noise, correct? Yes. So creation is groaning and it's wanting to look out who are the sons of God that I can get stuff to. Because remember, God has commanded all of creation to serve whom? Son of God. Sons of God. So they are like, so it's, it is like an UPS guy and an Amazon driver and a FedEx driver all standing at the door asking you, are you home? Can you sign your name? Can you acknowledge? Can you open the door? Reveal yourself to us. <laughs> so why do they ring the doorbell? When they ring the doorbell, in effect, they are using church language. The language is this. Reveal yourself to us. Reveal your identity, right? Yeah. Reveal that you are the recipient of this. Because we have been commanded to deliver this to you. And all this time, Satan, who is the God of this world, is taking from us. See, this is the bad part. While we are waiting to deliver to you, while we are waiting to give to you, while you are waiting to open the door, he is coming and stealing it from us. Hmm. Open the door. Hmm. Answer the phone. Tell us that it is yours. And take this package from us. Amen. So that's what creation is doing. Creation is groaning and for the revelation of the sons of God. Okay, let's look at the next verse. Verse 12, uh, verse 23. For not only this, so we, are talk, we, we finished first one groaning. Not only this, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. In your new creation, which is the first thing that has become new creation? The Spirit. The Spirit. So in your, your soul is still being renewed. Your body is still of Adam, but your spirit is new. So of all the three, which is the first fruit? Spirit. Spirit, correct? So what does he say? We who also have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So the spirit in you, which is the born again spirit, is also groaning. And what is it groaning for? The redemption of our body. Correct. It is telling, hey, 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 this body is not is not the right body. It needs to be alive. It needs to be healthy. It needs to be strong. It needs to be fed. It needs to be prosperous. It needs to be clothed. It needs to be glorious. It needs to be uh, uh, fruitful. So it is crying out, saying, no, 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 no. This needs, but so it is also crying out, right? With, with voice, groaning, correct? So, the creation is groaning, your spirit is groaning. Your born-again spirit is groaning. Let's keep reading. 24, but we are saved in this hope 
but hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he doesn't see? So this is a challenge. We cannot see it, that this new creation, we cannot see it. But yet you have to hope for this. Like for example, like you are expecting to be fruitful wherever you are, but you cannot see it. But you are expected to it because you are sons of God. But everything that you see is telling you that you are a son of Adam. Yes or no? Yes. Correct. But, but you have to believe that you are a son of God. But you cannot see it. Yes or no? Yes. So is there a problem or not? Yes. Yes. Let's call it a weakness. Correct? It's a weakness. Correct? Okay. Let's keep reading. Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance, which is what a believer is expected to do. Like for example, if he's waiting for a healing. Correct? We have to, we have to wait for it with, eagerly wait for it. That means we are expecting it with perseverance. Correct? We are expecting it. We are not like giving up on it. Like Joshua and Caleb is expecting to stay young. Yes or no? So they are eagerly waiting for it, but with perseverance, correct? Yes. Verse uh, 26, likewise the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Which weakness? The ability to not see. The ability to not see weakness. See, the Holy Spirit helps us in this weakness. That means it will help us with the prayer language. Because you, you typically only ask for things that you see. see. God has sent the Holy Spirit to live in you so that he can help you to ask for things that belong to you but you cannot see yet. Godliness manifested in the flesh. He's going to help you in that mist, that weakness. He's going to help you in that weakness. Do you want the Holy Spirit's help in that weakness? Yes. Yes. So pray in tongues. Mm -hmm. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Okay, for he says, for we do not know what we should pray. Let's replace the word pray with? Ask. ask. For we do not know what we should ask. For as we ought... See, we are ought to ask. Why should you, why is it required that you ask? How? That you speak will give the relevance. Correct. You are supposed to ask. See, you cannot receive it by meditating on it just. You have to open your mouth and ask it. Yes. You have to ask it. So the Holy Spirit, God gave, gave the Holy Spirit and baptized you with the Holy Spirit to give you a language that can use to ask him stuff. He, and, but the Holy, the Spirit Himself makes intercession. Let's say asking, asking for you with groanings again, groanings which cannot be uttered. That means you cannot understand this language that He is using. Yes. Correct. So, so first creation is groaning. Second, your spirit is groaning. Third, who is groaning? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit is groaning. And then you are using those words to also ask. Your body, your physical body is also using those words to ask, right? So your body, your tongue, ask. Yes or no? Because in this world, 
you cannot receive without your body, tongue, asking. I mean, that's a mystery. That's how it operates. Because God has put this earth subject to a human body. This earth. See, in the new heaven and new earth, you don't need this physical body to operate. But in this world, he has put it. That's why before Jesus could come, he had to prophesy through the prophets that Jesus would come. Why could he just send Jesus? He couldn't. Because the prophets had to say, he is going to come. And then Jesus came. He would die. He would die. He would be raised again. Then he raised again. Words had to be spoken before those things happened. Happened. Yes. Happened. Has to happen. That's the law on the earth. It's a natural law. God has instituted that law by the words of a human tongue. Stuff happens in this world. Let me repeat this once again. By the words of a human tongue, you receive your inheritance in this life, in this world. So God, through the Holy Spirit, put this tongue. So you, the creation is groaning. The the Holy Spirit is groaning. The born-again spirit is groaning. And your tongue also speaks up. And that's what he says. Look at verse 27. Now he... So so there are four things that are groaning. How many of you agree now four things are groaning? Right. Now verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Who is the one who searches the heart? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He In Revelation he says, I am he who searches the hearts and minds and I will give to him according to his works. Remember that I'm, I'm not going to refer to that verse because we don't have too much time. But Jesus Christ says, I am the one who searches the heart and the mind. So Jesus Christ's responsibility is to give whatever you ask. Say, say whatever I ask. Right. So he will only give you whatever you ask if it is according to God's will. Correct? Yes. Right. Because Jesus said, whatever is according to God's will, whatever you ask in my name, according to my, uh, to God's will, I will give. Correct? He will give. So Jesus says, he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So Jesus Christ, who is now receiving all your prayers, right? He searches all this and he's bringing these prayers to the Father, correct? All these prayers, all these, he's saying, he hears this and he says, "I've, I've searched this heart. And I know that what he's praying is according to the will of God because he's praying according to the spirit because he's praying according to the spirit. So he's asking for cattle. He's asking for big stuff. He's asking as a son of God. And because he's not asking according to the flesh, he may be speaking the right words. He may be using the right church language, but his heart He's depending on his flesh. But I search the hearts. I know what he's thinking. He is thinking that he can do it with his talents. He's thinking that he's going to do it with his wisdom. I know. I can see his heart. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a verse in it. Go and read it. I think it is in Revelation chapter. Revelation chapter 
2 verse 23. Can somebody read that? This is so powerful. You never hear Jesus speaking this language. But listen to this language. I will kill her children. I will kill her children. Have you heard Jesus talk like this? What children are you talking about? He's not talking about... <laughs> He's not talking about babies. He's talking about the fruits of demonic teaching. I will kill those churches. I will kill those bad doctrines. I will kill those. Why? Because those bad doctrines is going to make them fall away from their inheritance. He's talking about a prophetess who's out there who calls herself a prophetess and seduces my, uh, uh, um, uh, my servants to commit immorality and to eat uh, things sacrificed to idols. You see this demonic doctrine? There is a lady in that church who calls herself a prophetess. That means she's behaving as if she is a, a believer, but is bringing bad doctrine in her church. And that's very deceiving. I'm Brothers and sisters, we are in the end times. How many of you will agree that? Right? The only way that can take you out. See, you are not going to get out of Dallas. But the only way that will make you miserable is if you eat of these prophetesses or these bad doctrines that come out that tell you that you have a price to pay or you have to do more stuff to do. You have to drink of this cup or you have to do this. You be aware of that because he is going to, he, Jesus Christ is very serious about this doctrine. And this is why the Holy Spirit is serious this evening time. He says, I'm going to kill those children. You think that you can live by depending on your flesh? You're not going to get anything and your life is going to be miserable and you will die. You'll come to me in heaven, but you're going to die because I will not. See, Jesus makes a statement when he came out of, Jer out of the temple, out of Jerusalem this weekend, right? I mean, that's what we celebrate. He saw a fig tree from far having leaves. And he went to check out whether it had any fruits. That's Jesus checking out the church. He's saying, these guys have a, a, a form of godliness, but no power. Because they, have, they believe a life of flesh and they're expecting fruit. Let me see whether there is fruit. Not because he knows that they're not going to produce fruit, but he's going to prove it to you. That you cannot get fruit out of the life of flesh. So he goes and he finds no flesh. He curses the fig tree. He says, and he doesn't use the word curse. He says, let no man eat of you again. It was a mercy killing. Say mercy killing. You know, because that was the tree that deceived man and Eve. That deceived Eve and finally man fell. Because that tree was a, technically a fig tree. It had a, it had a potential for fruit. And gave them, and they used the leaves of that same tree to cover themselves for righteousness. And it also says, and it also says, Jesus answered the tree. Huh? Oh, wow. Because it is saying what? It is saying what? I will. Sorry, what is it, Raj? No, it's saying that I have fruit. No, it says, no, he's not saying I have fruit. He says, hang in with me. Long enough, De eat my leaves, I will give you fruit. Correct? So, yeah. 
And Jesus says, oh, this is so huge. Jesus says, I am done with the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Let no man eat of you again. That means what? Let no one be tempted to eat of you again. Let, so see, before, uh, before there is some truth in what Raj is saying. Before Jesus cursed that fig tree, the law was producing fruits. Sorry, Anil, we lost you. So, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Correct. So, uh, before Jesus cursed the fig tree, that fig tree was producing some level of fruits and keeping men deceived. See, the law had a form of glory. But watch what Jesus said. Let no man eat fruit of you again. Mark chapter, Mark chapter 11. Go back to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. This is huge. It's completely ties in with what we are talking today. Mark chapter 11. Let what he says. In response, verse 14. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. So what is that meaning? They have eaten of this tree. Who ate of the tree? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve eat of the tree. But did they receive what they wanted to receive from that tree? Was that the fruit that they wanted? So Jesus did a mercy killing on that tree. What is a tree a picture of? Now that you've studied this passage, what is a tree a picture of? The flesh, the works of the law. The tree of knowledge and good and evil. The performance-based uh, religion. He says, before that, there were people who kept the law and they received some benefits out of it. Correct? People lived long lives. Correct? They lived 600 years, 900 years, 120 years. They lived, right? After Jesus cursed that fig tree, the system of the law and the temple was completely removed. The law was fulfilled and the temple that instituted that was completely destroyed. Gee, in fact, that was one of the reasons they decided to kill Jesus. One of the witnesses that testified at Jesus' crucifixion was one of the witnesses. Though, in a way, it was false, but not completely false, just like all lies, right? He said, this fellow said, Destroy this temple. He said, destroy this temple made with hands. And I will rebuild it without hands in three days. The emphasis there is what? Hands. So, so Jesus would have said something to that effect, except the fact that I'm not going to destroy it. He said, he said he will destroy it. Jesus never said that. But do, do you remember that temple made with hands was destroyed in that same generation that Jesus was resurrected? It's 8070. 80-70. Jesus was resurrected. 80-70, that temple was destroyed. Why was the temple destroyed? Because that temple was made with hands. It was a very classic picture of the old covenant. It was the very classic picture of the law. Everything had to do with hands. So in the new covenant, he starts off without hands. Now you understand, coming back to the full question about why your born again experience starts by words, not with hands.
Therefore, the temple that you live in also is made without hands. Everything has a reason. So let no man eat of this fruit again. So what happened? When Jesus said that, he was making an absolute statement. Hereafter, I know the law has been profitable to some extent, but because you keep going to it and receiving some benefits, right? But you, you, don't, you don't live by faith in, in, the, in the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ. So guess what happens? You keep going back to the temple. You keep going back to the law. You keep going back. Guess what? I'm going to take care of it once for all. I'm going to curse that fig tree. From here on, watch this. You will not be fruitful. Guess what happened? The temple was destroyed. Correct? Now they can't boast that they are blessed as a nation because they keep the law. They cannot keep the law without the temple or the priesthood. So now if they are blessed, how are they blessed? Now when they are blessed, how are they blessed? Without keeping the law. Without keeping the law by grace, correct? Now when there is money in their sacks, how, who gave them the money? Jesus. Joseph. The J Joseph, Jesus. If their elder brother is the one who's put the money. See, now they are receiving stuff without working. That's why the Jewish nation, which is a picture of the church, is blessed without being obedient to the works of the law. They are the richest people in the world. The Zuckerbergs, the, the founders of Google, uh, the, the bankers. Why? Why are all these guys blessed? Is not because they are keeping the law. In fact, far from it. They are the ones who hate Israel. They are the ones who hate the law. And they don't even keep the law. But yet they are blessed. Because God is saying, you know what? My goodness will draw them to repentance. Because they are not eating of the fig tree anymore. That fig tree is not going to produce any. In fact, there is a lot of the Orthodox Jews in Israel are very poor. They are the more, more poorer part of the society. In fact, the secular Jews, the people who don't keep the law, who are blasphemous, they are crazy, they are the most prosperous guys in the world. Because the ones who depend on the law, they look to the law, who follow the law, they keep eating of their debt. They keep eating of the stuff. They keep eating and dying and dying and dying. Because Jesus made a point. Hereafter, no one shall eat of the tree again. That was a mercy killing. And the moment he did that, look at verse 3, Mark chapter 11. Are you there in Mark chapter 11? When he, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 12, right? 14. In response, Jesus said to him, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 15. What, is the what did the next thing he did? Driving out everyone from temple. Correct. So he came to Jerusalem. <laughs> you see how accurate what he just did it? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Let, now you should understand, this fig tree is not just fig tree, end time, Israel, all that is distraction. He is after this thing. 
He is after Romans chapter 8. He is telling you, I have decided. Now, this is Jesus. This is God. So, God goes into the temple. Now, let's, let's remove the word Jesus out here. Let's put God. Verse 15. So, when they came to Jerusalem, then, can somebody read it with the word God? Then God went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and seats of those who sold those. And he would not allow anyone to carry bears to the temple. Hallelujah! Do you see, do you understand how powerful the symbolism is now that you understand the house of God conduct? He will not allow anyone to carry wares in the house of God. He will not allow. He has allowed it thus far. He will not allow. Hallelujah. You don't know how zealous God, Jesus Christ is now about this new house. He will not. This is not like the old house, brothers and sisters. He will not allow wares. What is wares? Let me break this down. If you don't understand it. When you go to that fig tree, that fig tree produces fruit based on your righteousness. If you are good, it will give you, ah, take a little fruit. Come back for more. Behave yourself. Come back. You come back the next day. You did something. Ah, you didn't do good. No fruit for you. Like in Seinfeld, you, you know the Seinfeld episode, right? He goes to the soup guy, he has to behave well, he has to stand in line, he has to dress correct. Then only the soup guy in New York will give him soup. How many, have you all seen Seinfeld? <laughs> Do you all know that episode, no soup for you? So, so he, 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 they have to be obedient, exactly correct. He has to stand in the right line because there is so much demand for the soup. That soup is really good. So if you ask the wrong things, if you don't have enough change, if you are taking too long to pick up the order, the guy says, no soup for you. <laughs> so he has to come back in the line, wait, behave, go and re watch that episode. That's a classic picture of the law. By the way, Seinfeld is, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld is, Jerry, right? Jerry? Jerry Seinfeld is a, he's a, he's a Jewish guy, correct? Amazing. Well, how he pick, picks up some of those elements, right? No soup for you. No soup for you. So he's like, so you're always, but he, everybody wants the soup. Soup is so tasty. So the soup guy almost tortures their customers, you know. But the customers still stand in the line, abused, but still waiting in line for the soup. And that's how the law is. It's like a, a husband who is very mean, exacting all the best standards, and you're still married to him, Right? You can't use it in real marriage, brothers and sisters, okay? I'm talking about, I'm talking about under the law, okay? Don't start going and use this, oh, I just, I, I just gives me freedom to walk away. No, this is in Christ Jesus, now you are locked and loaded, right? For life. But, but, but that's how it is. So Jesus goes into the temple, he goes, he goes into the temple, God goes into the temple, that's how he, when, remember, who, who is the temple for? It's a dwelling place for what? Men or for God? For God. See, a temple is not a dwelling place for men. A temple is a dwelling place for God. So when God comes into the temple, it is God's temple. When God leaves the temple, what does the temple become? No. One sec. Let me ask you a question again. If God leaves the temple, what does the temple become? A building. 
Can you remember that? Can you remember that? When God leaves the temple, the temple becomes a building. building. Repeat that. Just building. When God leaves the temple, the temple becomes a building. Remember that. Very, very profound. I'll tell you why it is profound. This is so good. The Holy Spirit is so accurate. It is so accurate. So look at here, Jesus. So, verse 15. So they, when, so they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the building or temple? Temple. Why? Not building. Because God is there. God is there. Who is there? Jesus. Jesus. Is he a man or is he God? Okay. So Jesus goes into the temple. Remember now you are the temple of God, right? The church is the temple of God, right? So now he is in you. Is he there in you? Yes. So are you a building or are you a temple? Temple. Why are you a temple? God is, God is in me. Because you are in there or is God is in there? God is in there. Perfect. I love, I love how clear you all are in life. <laughs> got some civil construction uh, nomenclature clear. Now you know what's a temple, what's a God. So don't get confused. So when you see the word building, that means who is not there? God is not there. So now you are in the church, which is a building or a temple? Temple. temple because God is in there. His, his position is make, makes what a temple or a building. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now keep hold that thought and read it. So he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the building or in the temple? In the, in the temple. In the temple. So he's driving out who? First. Who does he drive out first? Those who bought and sold. One sec, one sec. Slow, slow, slow down. Who, who does he drive out first? Bought. Okay, let me ask you a question very simply. Just look at that verse. Who does he drive out first? No. Who bought? Who bought? Who bought? Who bought? Say bought. Bought. So the first ones that he drives out the temple are those who? Bought. Bought. Who are buying in this temple? People. People. Common people, correct? What are they buying? Trying to buy their righteousness. <laughs> I love it. Manar, you're going all the way to the end, is it? <laughs> but in this place, what are, what are they buying? Sacrifices. Sacrifices. Because they have to buy sacrifices to offer to God to receive the benefits of it. For their life outside the temple. Yes or no, Raj? But why does he drive out them first? Because he is making a point. The first people who will be out of the temple are those who think that they can purchase this righteousness. The first people out. So as a believer, remember, the first people out of the temple are not the ones who sell you the righteousness. The first people who are out of the temple are those who think that they can purchase righteousness. And that is why it is very deceiving when you believe a doctrine that 
that makes you believe that you can receive righteousness as wages and not as a gift. Huge. He will drive out them out first. So he drove out those who bought. Then he drove out who? Sold. Those who sold. Correct? And then tables of the money changers. So he rocks their whole economic system that is driving this transaction. Correct? And then he would, and the seeds of those who sold doves. That means he is he is overturning the religious system and he is overturning the Financial. financial system and he's overturning everything in this temple because he's not going to use the world system to get wealth he's not going to use the world system to get godliness he's not going to use the world system to receive righteousness he's not going to use the world system for administration so look at look at verse 17 verse 17 and he would not allow anybody anyone to carry wares throughout the temple and he and he taught, now he started teaching. He taught, Jesus taught, saying to them what? Is it not written? Now he's getting ready to talk about the house that you and I live in. My house shall be a house of prayer, prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. That means my house, this new body, this new temple that you and I are in, God, Jesus says, it shall be a house of asking. You cannot receive in this house. You can only receive by asking. You cannot receive by transactions. But you have made it a den of thieves. That means you made it a place of transactions. You have made it a place where you transact with me. I will not allow you to transact and receive benefits of this righteousness. I will not allow it. I will not allow it. Go back to, now read, sorry, 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 Mark chapter 13, same, Mark. same, same book of Mark. Remember we studied about the fig tree in Mark chapter 11. We studied that he cursed the fig tree. He goes into the temple, he drives out and he says, my house, he's not talking about a building right now. He's talking about a, my house. He's talking about this new house that he lives in. That you and I live in the church. He says it's not going to be a place of transactions. It will be a house of prayer for not just for the Jews, but for all nations. That means this, this righteousness is available for all Gentiles. Remember one of the mystery of godliness is what? Preached among the Gentiles. Preached among the Gentiles. This righteousness is available for anybody. Huge. Okay, now read Mark chapter 13 verses 1 and 2. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what building are here. Oh, hold it, hold it. Something showed up. Stones. Buildings. 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 <laughs> what happened? If God is not there, so that's a building. Correct. Look at look at how accurate the Holy Spirit translated that. Wow. Did you notice that? Yes. Look at it. Matthew, Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Then as he went out of the temple, because now that, that system is gone. That temple is made with hands, correct? 
He just cursed the fig tree. That, remember that fig tree is a picture of that righteousness. It's a picture of that system of religion. That system of the temple. It all belongs to this first former thing. Say former things. Former things. Former things. Now he's going to introduce this word things. These things. This system of receiving. This system of living. This house. This asking. This method. This process is all captured in this world called these things. Say, repeat after me. These things. These things. These things. Correct? Those are the former things. These are the these things of the new house of God. Correct? Okay. Look at what he says. Then as he went. Who is he? Jesus. Jesus. Or? God. God. <laughs> as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, See what manner of stones and what buildings are. Suddenly it's no longer a temple. It is just stones and buildings. Amazing. Okay, look at verse 2. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Buildings? You didn't say, Do you see this temple? Why? He just left it. Left it. He came out. He came out. Now it is only a building. Nothing changed. But God is not in the house. God is not in the house. See, that's why, that's why you need to understand how valuable you are. How precious you are. When God dwells in you. That's why you are called valuable sons of gold of the temple in the old covenant. Zion. Sons of Zion are valuable stones. They said you have become like dim and your gold has faded because you are sons of Zion. You are gold. You are stones of this new temple made without hands. How are you? Remember in this new temple you are also a stone now? That's why he told Peter. He said you are Peter. Upon this, I will build my church or my temple and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Oh my goodness. Brothers and sisters, if you have time, I will explain. This gates of hell is totally misunderstood. We are not out there trying to invade hell. <laughs> hell has nothing for us to get. You invade stuff that you want, correct? You are not after hell. There's nothing in hell. In fact, there is a message by Jesse Duplantis saying, what in hell do you want? There's nothing in hell that I want. Why would I want to attack the gates of hell? I don't want to care about the gates of hell. But when he says the gates of hell shall not prevail, gates are the places where judgments are made. So, the though judgments made at the gates will survive against the church because the church is fully righteous. Justice is completely met. No judgments can occur against the church. You cannot receive judgments against the church. God, you cannot receive judgments from the world. You cannot receive judgments from your boss. You cannot receive judgments from your spouse. You cannot receive judgments from your uh, from the world around. You cannot receive judgments about death. You cannot receive judgments about health. You cannot receive judgments about your victory. You cannot. Because why? 
those are judgments made at the gates of hell because gates are players, places where judgments are decided. Remember where Boaz, Ruth had to go to the gates to receive her inheritance. Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. That's where the judgments were made. You cannot, the gates of hell will not prevail. So look at verse 13, uh, Mark chapter 13 verses 2. Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another and there shall not one that shall be not thrown down. Verse 4. Uh, verse 3. Now when he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things will be fulfilled? So when will these things be? And Jesus answered that in verse 30. He said, Assuredly I say to you, this generation will now by no means pass away till all these things take place. He said these things, that means what? When will my house will not be a house of transactions? When will that old house pass away and this new house come? When will that house be removed and this new house take over? When will these things happen? He says, in this generation. And it has happened, brothers and sisters. It has happened. It has happened. It has happened in this generation. And I'll finally close with this. Romans chapter 9. And you can go back and read it yourself. In Revelation, Jesus said, I will kill their children with death and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds and I will give to each one according to their works. Okay. And Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And this is the most famous verse of Romans chapter 8 that is quoted over and over and over again. What it says. And we know all things work together for good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. What are all things work together? The fact that you are groaning, the creation is groaning, the Holy Spirit is groaning, and Jesus is answering prayers because he knows that you are praying according to the mind of God, all things, all of this together is working for good. See, it's not talking about sickness, disease, bad things happening to you. All these things are working for you. Creation is working for you. Your born again spirit is working for you. Your Holy Spirit is working for you. Everybody is working towards this one goal, that you are a son of God. You are a son of God. He says all things will work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to this purpose. For, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And whom he predestined, he also called. And who he called, he also justified. And who he justified, he also glorified. Look at all aspects of it. Everything was his work. He did it all. He did it all. He did it all. He, it's all past tense. It's all past tense. Good, good. Great catch. He foreknew. He predestined. He called. He justified. He glorified. Did you see any scope for you? Alkesh is smiling. I was like, absolutely no scope. Like nothing in that is what I am doing. He, he foreknew. He predestined. He called. He justified. And he glorified. One, two, three, four, five. All things work together for good. Means what? He's the one who's orchestrated this whole thing. What things? The fact that you are a son of God 
and you receive everything by asking. And he sent the Holy Spirit with a new language of asking. And he is given a born again spirit that also knows how to ask. He is given the creation to also know how to give stuff to the sons of God who identify themselves as son of God. See, everything he set in motion together to get you what supposed to belong to you. Makes, makes point? Yeah. Got it. So, verse Romans chapter 8 verse 31. And the title of the message today is what? Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Everything. The fact that we are in Christ Jesus, that there is no condemnation, condemnation. That, that we can, we can we live by the Spirit, we are not living by the flesh, and, and we are co-heirs with God, we are led by the Spirit of God, we are sons of God. What shall you say to these things? Can somebody volunteer? I have only four videos left at 9 o'clock in the night, but, <laughs> but I will take whatever I can get. What should we say to these things? This is a trick question. You know why? The answer is the next few verses. This is what you should say. Say we this are is... One second, one second, one second. Let's, let's, let's hear what you should say. What should we say to these things? Then immediately you should say what? If God is for us, who can be against us? Correct! This is what you say. If God is for us, because what? Who, who is for us? God the Holy Spirit. God the Son. God the Father. All of us are working together. <laughs> if you cannot get to New York with all of them helping you, <laughs> if God is for us, like he has taken care of the old temple, he's removed the transaction-based uh, Christianity, he's removed the works, he's cursed the victory, he's thrown away the fruits. He, my goodness, remember, they asked him, when will these things be? So this, Paul is asking the same things. What shall we say to these things? That this whole new temple is now born. That we are now part of this born again system. That we are part of being born of God. And this we can live. What do we do? Say to these things. What do we say to these things? You say. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah. See, so we say exactly these words. Say, I will say. I will say. Let's start saying. Okay. Remember the, the response is what? What will I do about these things? What will I meditate about these things? Or what is the uh, question here? What will say? What will say? You have to say. You say, brother, I believe all that. The great message, brother, the great message. Okay, today was a great message. I'm going to meditate on it, but I will never say anything about it to anybody, lest I be mocked. So, the whole conclusion of Romans chapter 8 is, what will you say to these things? So, this, and, and because it's an open book question, right? The Holy Spirit gives you the answers. So, this is what you will say. What will you say? Quotes. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him Freely, that's the key word. Fukat me. Fukat me. Fukat me. No price, no wares in this temple, no transactions, no money changers, 
nobody i am not going to enter this i am not going to enter this house and buy because who are the first people leaving this temple what the what <laughs> the first people getting out of the house is the bots <laughs> so you are definitely of all the things don't buy so you should say if god has given is for us he has not spared his own son he has delivered him for us how will he not how will he not how how did he how 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 did he come to this conclusion this guy this believer who is responding how did he conclude this any how did he conclude this he, he gave us no but how did he conclude this that how will he not along with that freely give us all things how did he conclude it Yeah, but how did he conclude? How did he come to that conclusion? Because he was meditating on it. He's like, let let's 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 let. So he, this this is a believer. Is now he's 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 the he's this meditating kind believer because he's doing what Romans eight saying. He's like, this godliness is very mysterious, but it gives me everything. I'm going to meditate on it. Meditate on it. Oh yeah, yeah. What? Then the Holy Spirit tells me. You know what? See, look, think about it. You are asking me for a nice house, and you think I am saying no. Think logically. I gave you my son. I gave you this righteousness. I give you all this freely. If I can give you this, do you think I will not give you the house? Or if I give you the house, will I not give you the furniture? If I give you the furniture, will I not give you the bed sheet? Like I will give you everything, but I cannot give you the bed sheet. But think. so this is what because this guy is meditating right the more you meditate on his godliness you come to conclusions and the conclusion is fukat mein sab kuch aana chahiye you know i mean you have you this is what comes out of meditation you meditate on this righteousness and the holy spirit reveals things that are freely given to you first corinthians chapter 4 if i'm not mistaken and i'm not going to go there so whole chapter if i think If I'm, if I'm correct. First Corinthians chapter. No, First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. He's talking about wisdom. He says the wisdom of this, uh, the wisdom that comes from God. Verse th- First Corinthians chapter two, verse thirteen. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but what which the Holy Spirit teaches. So this is what the Holy Spirit is teaching. Classic teaching. It's like Holy Spirit is coming next to you, Manar and Manar. You are fighting for a promotion. Let me explain to you. If God can give you a promotion that makes you sit at the Father's right hand, can I not give you a promotion in Erickson? Yeah. So this is how the fa- the holy spirit teaches look at verse first corinthians chapter 2 verse 13 these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches because no man is going to tell you what i just shared with you which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him you never you never go to your boss and say this it doesn't make any sense to him a lot of people it doesn't make any sense 
nor can he know him because they are spiritually discerned. Discerned. Okay. Look at look at the previous verse. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us. That are freely given to us by God. Why did God give you the Holy Spirit? To know what you can get more free. Where is the extra coupons that you can clip? You know, it's almost like that. He's telling you, show this coupon. Show him this promotion. He's basically saying, all this is free. Ask this. Ask this. And that is what it says. Go back to Romans chapter 8. So what should we say then? If God did not spare his son, but delivered him out, how will he not freely give us all things? Okay. Next. Second thing you should ask, say to these things. Romans chapter 8 verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Classic. Every day we are facing accusation in our workplace, in our relationship, in our in your, in your own mind. And what, so you are, you are, what, what, would you, what will you say? You will say, who is it who brings a charge? Who, remember it is not what brings a charge. It is who brings a charge. Who brings a charge. Did you notice that? Yes. Because behind every what brings a charge, there is a who. Who brings a charge? So anytime you face a challenge, should what you, you can you can say because I, I know. Uh, what am I going to say to this thing? Who brings a charge? Come on, bring bring a charge. It is God who justifies. Remember the mystery of godliness? The spirit is justified. You say, oh, you didn't pay the price. Sister, you did not pay enough price. I just read that if he suffered with him, we shall also be glorified with him. And he told the sons of Zebedee that they shall drink the cup. Hold on. I drank the cup. I died. I'm justified. Justified. Done. Okay, let's move on. Who brings a charge? Who is next? Next. Verse 30, 33. Who is he who condemns? Again, it's a who. Somebody's condemning. You say, but no, brother, it is my own thoughts and my own feelings. I am only condemning myself. It is not you who are condemning yourself. It is this who. You think it is you, but it is not you. It is this demonic spirit that is condemning you. Who is it who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and even at the right hand who is making intercession for us. That's what we talked about right now in Romans chapter 8. He is at the right hand of God. He is not condemning. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So that's a lie. Third, who shall separate us from the love of God? Now that sounds so religious. Love of God. Let me ask you a question. If you love your children, is your children naked on the streets? No. How will how will I know that this child is loved? Correct. If the guy is driving a Benz and he's clothed well, he's fed well, what does that mean? And the guy is not, he's a child. What does that mean? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? His father is loved. What's that? He has some rich parents. No. He's loved. He has a loving rich parent. <laughs> Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> Lot of people have rich parents, but they are still driving a Corolla. Okay, but <laughs> you need to have a loving 
rich parent, right? So he's saying, who, who is separating us from this love of the father? If my father loves me, I definitely have a goat. That means nobody can separate me from my inheritance. Nobody can separate me. Who is doing this? So let me ask you a question. Who is keeping you from your miracle? Who is keeping you from your increase? Who is it? It is not what is it. See, the moment you ask the right question, that will reveal whether you are walking by the spirit or walking by the flesh. If you say, you know what, if I only had the right strategy in stocks, I will make a lot of money. Now it is not a who, it is a what. The what is keeping you from your inheritance. And you got, you missed it. You're walking by the flesh. And Jesus has cursed that fig tree, brother. Brother, no point standing under the fig tree. No figs are dropping off that fig tree. That train has left the station. It has left the station. You have to always ask, who is separating me? from my harvest. Who? Say who. Who? Okay, the answer. Shall tribulation, see, oh, those are the things. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. See, all this is separating you from the love of God. See, if you, if you are not loved by God, you're going to go through all this junk. All this junk, all this peril, all this stuff. But if you stay in the love of God, nobody can separate you. Yet, verse 837, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How are we conquerors? We are conquerors because we know who loved us. We know who we are. We are sons of God. We are not like the oldest son. He was separated from the fatted calf. By what? He, what, what separated the older son from the fatted calf? Loved. In his mind, something has separated him from the love of his father. But here we say, we know, we know what, what he says. Look at how he says. Verse, uh, and the last verse in Romans chapter 8. What does he say? What does Paul say? No, no, this is not how he starts. 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life... For I am persuaded. How did he get persuaded? Coming back to the whole question. Meditate. My meditating. meditating. He's fully persuaded. That means in his mind, that's exactly where Romans chapter 8 is. To be carnally minded is death. death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. So if you are minded... That what mind? You're minded. I'm fully persuaded. I will receive my inheritance. Nothing can separate me from my this. Nothing. Nothing. There, now he's persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present or things to come nor height nor death nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. 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 
and let's go back go to psalms chapter 4 psalms chapter 4 tells you exactly then what you should do practical example i'm going to read psalms chapter 4 and just track with me psalm chapter 4 hear me when i call o god of my righteousness he right away identifies god as god of his righteousness he's getting positioned to receive yes or no yes yes huge chapter huge chapter worthy of meditation in your quiet time psalms chapter 4 hear me when i call o god of my righteousness that means his righteousness comes from where from god from god huge it's a huge revelation but it's in the old testament it's in psalms second of uh, psalms 4 you relieved me in my distress past tense have mercy on me or hased on me and hear my call how long now he's talking to believers who do not walk according to the spirit how long you sons of men will you turn my glory to shame this is god speaking actually how long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood if you live by the flesh you are seeking worthlessness and falsehood sela that means what thief no sela is not thief no meditate meditate okay think about it you live by the flesh you are not going to get anything meditate think about it what i just told this is romans 8 in practical application think about it okay next verse he's not thinking about it hey i no point going on the flesh i cannot receive anything i'm going to think about this you know it's good to think about it like uh, paul thought about that thing in romans chapter 7 remember you all these arguments i want to do stuff i cannot do this i cannot do this finally he says you know there's nothing good in me how what was he doing he was meditating on the fact that his flesh has no good in it that's good meditation if it brings you to that conclusion okay next verse 3 but know that the lord has set for himself set apart for himself so he's getting ready remember he who called he justified he who justified he predestined you know all that whole thing god does all the stuff so he's saying that he's he's saying that again but know that the lord has set apart for himself him who is godly god has done that the lord will hear when i call to him he's confident see i am godly not because i did good i am godly because i am set apart as godly my location has determined my position so he is saying that loud with his mouth so this is what as a believer you should say i am godly because he has set me apart as godly therefore the lord will hear what i say god will not hear just because i fast and pray God is not hearing because I am a good person. God is not hearing because I did all the right things. God is hearing because He has done it Himself. Amen. Get ready. Verse. Next verse. Be angry and do not sin. That is so beautiful. Because remember, He says, "Who gets angry?" Me. Why? Me, the people who live in the flesh. Correct. He says, "Don't be." Don't be angry. See, he says, be angry and do not sin. That means it is good. 
See, was Paul angry in Romans chapter 7? Was he angry? Yeah. He was angry. He was angry. But did he sin? No. No, why? Because he said what? There is nothing good in me. Correct. He gave up. He gave up. See, when you are angry, don't go to the flesh. See, that's what happens with a lot of believers. When they get frustrated, they say, Okay, this thing doesn't work. This whole business of faith is all garbage. Anil has been preaching about it. I don't know about it. It might work for him. doesn't work for me. I'm going to allopathy, naturopathy, acupuncture, that puncture, this puncture. Ultimately, you're all punctured. You know, it's like, you know, I'm just going to go for all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm just going to give up. See, you're angry, but what did you do? No, no. No, you sinned. You see, be angry and do not sin. So what he's saying is, yes, it's okay to be angry. It's okay. But at least conclude that in your flesh there is no good thing. And go to living by the spirit. Living by the righteousness by faith. By confessing that. By believing that you are a son of God. That's how you don't sin. I know we've taken this verse out of context. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry but don't. Don't be so angry that you sin. <laughs> it's not saying that. It's saying you be angry. And quickly give up that there is nothing good in you. In your flesh. Be angry and give up on your flesh. Be angry and do not sin. You got it? Got it? Okay. Keep reading. What is the next verse? Be angry and do not sin. What? Meditate. <laughs> what should you do? Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Be still. Oh my goodness, can I receive what I could not receive by all my works? I can receive by doing what? Meditating and, Meditating and being still. Are you serious? Actually, meditating in your bed, actually. <laughs> <Meditating>. <laughs> This is so huge. Y'all are guys, y'all are going to be so blessed. And some of the best things happen at the end of the life team, those who wait. I'll tell you. Look at what the verse is. Meditate. Totally out of the context. Doesn't make any sense. But now it makes sense since you understood 1 Timothy. You understood Romans chapter 8. We understood what Jesus said. He said, meditate within your heart on your bed. Like you have no credit at all. Like you did not. You did not even do anything about that situation. You are on your bed. How much more can you work? And what do you do? And be still. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> there, are some, there are people who work on the bed. I know. Smartphone. <laughs> Swiping. You know. You know. Texting. Connecting. Business. Transactions. God is saying. Anil, chill. Meditate that you are godly. Meditate you are righteous. Meditate on the fact that you are a son of God. Meditate. Give yourself entirely to it. And your godliness and your progress will be evident to all. Look at the next verse. Sela. Means what? Meditate. Yeah. Just hold on. Hold on. Don't run. Don't run. Stay there. 
Think about it. It it works. Give it some time. Just just hold on. Don't say oh no no this, this sickness no no this uh, no diabetes no no everything gets healed. Diabetes doesn't get healed. No. ஜிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டிஸ்டி
who is he who condemns it is god who justifies and keep the face of jesus before you and his face is not a face of judgment his face is a face of affirmation it's a face that says you are my begotten son in whom i am well pleased it's a face of love it's a face of unconditional acceptance so you are not seeing your spouse you're seeing the face of jesus on the bed you got it remember this person is on the bed Okay, look at the next verse. And what happens? You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increase. That means you are filled with so much joy more than in the day when actual prosperity hit the doorstep. That means your joy is already first there. Correct. Your joy preceded your manifestation because you have the face of Jesus before you. See, the... Your grain and wine will increase. See, it's very classic. Your progress will be visible, but joy precedes your manifestation. Let me ask you a question. When you so fully meditate on the finished work of Jesus and you come to a place of, oh my goodness, I know I cannot see it, but I am so glad that it is done. I know it is done. I'm just happy. And when it actually shows up, you're like, ah, I already knew it has done. When those six figures show up in your bank account, you're like, ah, I already knew it. Because I had already rejoiced about it when I was meditating on the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you see the picture, brothers and sisters? I'm talking to you, we are talking about something huge and powerful. If you want to receive in this life the things that concern the, this life, this is how you receive Let's go to the next verse. We are still not finished with some. You put, look at how the last verse ends. Somebody can read. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. <laughs> He's saying, I will do both. I will not only lie down in peace, I will sleep. Sleep. So when you are attacked by the enemy, when you are stressed, you should do not only just one thing, do both. What are the both things? Lie down and sleep. Lie down in peace and sleep. See, it is not the same thing. Yeah. How do we know it's not the same thing? You, you can lie down with worry also. Correct. Yeah. No, no, no. How is... How is lie down in peace and sleep two different things? Sleep is sleep. <laughs> there is nothing more different about it. But God says because of your righteousness, because of what you have, what good will you are going to do both. You will both. You will do both. Say, I will do both. I will do both. You see, it's a will. This is your will. You should determine. If there is one will that you should do, is this one will. I will will what? Both lie down in peace and, and sleep. And sleep. Why? For you alone, it needs no help from me. It doesn't need any contribution from me. How can a sleeping man contribute? Alkesh? <laughs> can a sleeping man contribute? By sleeping. <laughs> I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you, O Lord, 
you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Hallelujah. Let's just receive this word. Let us receive this word, this imparted word. Let's just receive it. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Isaiah chapter 28. And if you can go and read it yourself in your quiet time, just remember it and mark it. Isaiah 28. I'll read one verse. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty. On that day means in the day of your battle, in the day of your struggle, in the day of your challenge, in the day in where you're standing for some victory. In that day, what? The Lord of hosts, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty. That means like a crown of beauty. He is going to be a crown of glory and diadem of beauty because you're seeing him. To the remnant of his people, for a spirit of justice, to him who is, sits in judgment. You are being accused by somebody. The Lord Jesus will be a spirit of justice for you. Means what? You will know that in Jesus, he, all justice has been paid. Because you are sitting in judgment. And for strength, for those who turn the battle at the gate. Remember the gates of hell shall not prevail. The battle is always at the gate, brothers and sisters. So when there is a battle at the gate, when the gates come and say, no, he, he, he does not deserve this. You can say, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me because the Lord Jesus Christ is my strength in the battle at the gate. And let's receive it right now. I believe that some of you all are facing battles right now. And these battles are voices that are accusing you. And you can say, Anil, but what should I say to these things? You should say what Romans 8 says. Go back and read that and speak that against those voices. Because it's, all, it's not a what that is troubling you. It is a who that is troubling you. It is not flesh and blood. It is powers, principalities, rulers in dark and high places. The Lord says, if you receive this implanted word with meekness and not anger, you are humble enough to receive this word. Because it takes humility to lie down in peace and sleep when things are not going your way. But the Lord says, if you obey this, if you withhold your feet on the Sabbath from speaking your own words and doing what you desire to do in your flesh, I will make you ride the high hills of the earth, says the Father. By sleeping and being lying down and keeping the Lord Jesus Christ's face before you. For this Lord Jesus will be a diadem of beauty and a crown of glory and a spirit of justice and strength for you in the day of your battle. Receive it, says the Father. You'll say, but Anil, I don't know whether it will work. Lord says, trust me in this. Godliness is profitable for all things. This righteousness that you've heard today is profitable for all things. And tomorrow as you celebrate the resurrection of my son, remember that you have been resurrected to the same position with a more excellent name than angels. That you are seated at my right hand. You are co-heirs with my son. And all that I have is yours. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. 
and you shall receive what you could never receive by your works. You shall receive by inheritance, says the father. Call me Abba, call me daddy and trust me for I alone are your refuge and strength. Therefore, be still, meditate, receive this implanted word with meekness and it will bear great fruit. 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 Did I not give you the instruction to receive this word? Did I tell you to keep tilling and tilling and tilling and telling? Did I not tell you to sow? Because my seed doesn't need too much soil to grow. Just receive it. Just a little changing of your heart. And you can, the seed will grow. You don't need to work on the soil day after day, year after year. Allow my seed to work. Receive with humility. My seed is good. It can produce on this soil that you have. Because you are the born again soil. And you will be a delightful land. Thank you Lord Jesus. Father now I pray that Lord. That with signs and wonders. With mighty works. You will confirm this word of righteousness. That has gone out for your church. And let it bear much fruit. Not just in this group. In this body of believers. But across the world. And let it bear fruit in ministers, in servants and people and souls who are depressed and beat down by the enemy. That they are no longer outside of the house of the Father, but they are in the house with the Father, living on the inheritance of the Father. I thank you and I praise you because you are doing it. And I worship you for that and let signs following confirm this word, Lord Jesus. For you are faithful, not to us, but to your word in us. We thank you and we praise you because it is done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. You say, Anil, I want healing in my body. The Lord says, receive it. The same spirit that's raised Jesus from the dead can save your mortal bodies. It doesn't need a lot of time. It receives just believing. The mystery of godliness is the mystery of believing and not doing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe and therefore I receive. I believe and therefore I receive. I rejoice having not seen because the Holy Spirit intercedes for me with words. And I declare the finished work and I offer to you, Lord, my Father, the, the sacrifices of righteousness of your Son. For in Him, every promise is yes and amen. And we possess the gates of our enemies. And the gates of the enemies will never pass a judgment against us. And we receive it with gladness. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Receive it. The Lord says, be still. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Some of the most powerful things happen in moments of quietness. When you realize and you are convinced and persuaded 
think he gave his only begotten son, will he not along with that freely, not making a demand of you, freely, 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 think freely, give you, without asking a price from you, without demanding a price from you, think, will he not? It's a question. Will he not? Will he not? Give all things. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let supernatural healings happen right now, Lord. Following the word. Confirm it, Lord. That your word is true. And we praise you. And we worship you. And we thank you for it. The Lord says, somebody who is listening to this message gets a completely new heart. A brand new heart. Because you, while the message was going on, or when you are listening, not may not be now, but when you are listening to this, you said, I want a new heart. My heart is all worn out. The Lord says, I have heard you call because you call me the God of your righteousness. And because you call me that, the fruit of righteousness is a new heart for you. Receive it with gladness right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's somebody else who is believing for a new liver. The Lord says, because you call me a God of your righteousness, and you did not depend on your goodness and your perfection and your good works and your giving and your hosting and your taking care of people, because you did not boast in that, but you call me the God of your righteousness, you have what you desired to have, a new liver right now in Jesus' name. The next report is going to be a clean river. A completely brand new liver, says the Father. Receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. There's somebody who has a very disobedient son. The Lord says, because you did not depend on your heritage, and because you did not depend on your good works, and because you did not call on me because of your fastings, because you call me the God of my righteousness, and you've asked from your son, the Lord says, he returns to you right now in Jesus' name. He returns to the God of his fathers right now in Jesus' name. He returns, says the father. Look out for him. He is already on the way back. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's somebody who has a learning disability, cannot understand, cannot read, cannot comprehend. The Lord says, because you did not call me a God of your wisdom, a God of your works, but you call me a God of your righteousness, and I give wisdom freely without attaching conditions. The Lord says, because you asked, I give it to you right now. From this day onwards, every reading comprehension is removed right now 
in Jesus' name. You will understand stuff. You'll be able to comprehend and you'll be able to receive great victories and people will marvel that the things that they will ask, who taught him these things? Receive it, says the Father. For you receive it not by walking in the flesh, but by meditating in the finished work, the things that have been freely given to you by God. I thank you and I praise you for you're a good father and you give gladly and freely and we receive it as such. Father, let this word bear fruit and let it continue to germinate and let it become a tree that grows and hosts the birds of the net and nests of the air and let it bear fruit not only for us and for our families but for those who hear us and I thank you for that for you are faithful to do it in Jesus name I pray Amen 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 Amen